Welcome to Box Out Banter. Happy President's Day and happy belated uh, Valentine's Day, everyone. Chris Okamura, joining me as always, Jordan Christmas. Uh, sorry about last week. We both got really busy and uh, weren't able to record, but we're back. Yeah, this work, week. work stuff. Yeah, real life stuff. Yeah, real life stuff. Sorry about that, guys. But we back. It's all good. Box yeah. Out Banner's back. So we're I'm gonna good. Start, we're gonna we're gonna start with a fun question, Jordan. We're gonna start with the. <laughs> so I was thinking about this the other night. So you have every player in NBA history, right? Mm-hmm. Every player in NBA history in an open gym to play pickup. Like you know how you when you go twenty four hour fitness and you're picking teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except you don't know who any of these players are, but you have to make your first pick based on looks alone. Who is your first pick? Based on looks alone? Like, you don't know any of these guys. Like, you don't know who LeBron James is. You don't know who who Magic Johnson is. You don't know who Michael Jordan is. You don't know who anyone is. But it's like you're going to the gym, and you don't know who any anyone is. But you're just looking at him going, all right, this guy looks like he's pretty good. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Probably. Well, this is hard because I do. <laughs> I can't. I can't just turn off my so, you know so not knowing my, these players I have, but i think I have my two, i have two I've, or three top i picks. have i've i've thought of two uh in the past 30 seconds so okay. i would go based off looks i would go with Shaq yeah because even as like a he's massive even as an eight-year-old i was questioning if we were a part of the same species <laughs> like i'm just like holy shit that's a big dude and the fact that he moved so fast for his size and all that stuff yeah that was jarring so i would definitely pick him and then i'd probably probably dr j is the other is the other so, one it's probably two obvious ones but like dr j has like the iconic the afro and yeah all that stuff. so to me to me the number one pick and to me it's pretty it's pretty obvious and I thought about it right away. Dwight Howard just looks like he'd be the ultimate basketball player. <laughs> if you walk into a gym and you see Dwight Howard with his shoulders, with the muscles. Yeah, my <laughs> my grandma one time, I watched I was watching a Lakers game at my uh, grandma's house in Riverside and uh, it was a Lakers Magic game. It was like 2009. That's 2010 final, yeah. right around that time it was like apex it almost we were almost at apex dwight howard and uh my grandma was basically she, dwight howard was taking free throws and my grandma was just like that man looks like he has bionic arms <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. that, and she called him bionic arms. she's called him bionic arms every time she sees dwight howard uh well, it's, you look at dwight you look at him and you're going that's a specimen of a human being yeah yep yeah, Dwight just looks like he should he shouldn't exist as a human. Mm-hmm. Like he is he is a he's sculpted. He has that he has the to me he has the perfect body of like that guy looks athletic. Like because Shaq he's big, but you could some sometimes you could maybe mistake it as like fat or overweight because he's yeah. just massive, right? But like Dwight, he's big, but like in the athletic way, where you look at him, and you go, that guy should be able to play some basketball. I don't know. I always thought. So upper body wise, I agree. But like, I think I've always thought one of the problems with Dwight, especially when everybody was trying to turn him into a post player. Well, one, he just doesn't have any feel for the post. I don't ever think he had. But I think one of the problems why 
he never got better in the post was because he was so skinny for he was so skinny no like power. in the, yeah in his legs and it was all upper body but like you can never and i could tell you as somebody who used to play center it helps to have a big rump to move people out of the way or a big backside so you could carve out space um because that's essential to a post player like you see Embiid do it Jokic do it all the good post players had it um and Dwight just for as big and as yes he is a hum he is a physical specimen just relative to basketball players but like if you just look at his lower body you could be you could see like oh that's why he couldn't <laughs> do anything in the post <laughs> It yeah. was all jumping. It was all jumping, really. The last, the last guy that I was thinking of too is LeBron, obviously. Oh yeah, LeBron. Yeah, because you LeBron. just look at him and you go like, "Holy fuck, this guy shouldn't exist." I just wanted to. I just wanted to go off the beaten path, because I could. I could <laughs> say like Giannis, or because like all these guys, they're so big and freakish now, and yeah. like all the stars, at least they're so big and freakish, like six ten, who, six seven. Who, so who's opposite of this who's the guy who's like the star nba guy that you're just like he plays basketball or you're surprised like fuck, he what what's he doing huh is it Jokic? no because Jokic does Jokic. you could see like the feel for his game like eye test wise like you could it, it looks it looks weird but it, it's like i'm i'm like okay that guy it, to me, are we adjusted uh, to it? Are we adjusted to seeing him do all this stuff? Like, if you're I guess, just I guess I am adjusted time, to him like, doing all this stuff, but I I never thought like he was if, like out of place saw, as a basketball player. If you saw player, a guy that looked like Jokic on a basketball court, like you know, you know, when you go to any, you can go to any park in America, any gym in America, and there's a guy shooting by himself on a half court, waiting for someone to ask him to play. Well, Jokic's athleticism it's, kind of reminds me of my frat brother Pomeran, who played uh, a. <laughs> Who played uh, <laughs> D two college basketball, and he would he would kind of joke like he was Jokic in the sense that like he could you know shuffle up the court running and barely jumping. <laughs> like I've seen Jokic's not okay. That's it. It sounds really blasphemous, but like I've seen Jokic body types, I guess, in uh, pickup games, and I've but like <laughs> if I, or, I guess like Joe a, Ingles like would Joe be Ingles? the obvious answer. Yeah. Joe, Ingles Joe Ingles would be the obvious answer. Um, Shit, I'm like I guess try to think of all the late thirds. Think of all the third string centers in the late two thousands that were signed basically just to foul the shit out of Shaq. <laughs> Probably <laughs> a lot of those guys. <laughs> um, Matt Geiger <laughs> on the Sixers. <laughs> like I don't know. I mean, That's a tough even, one. I'm gonna have to too, think about that one. Even too like, and it's this is blasphemous. If if you saw Steve Nash in an empty gym not shooting like just saw him in a gym you're not gonna pick him first he's like one of the no. last guys you're picking yeah yeah if you didn't know who he was yeah, if you didn't know who he was like you steve nash just looks wise you're like he's like one of the last guys you're picking on your team yeah yeah i yeah d because oh of course yeah he that would be uh Undersized, Eagles, white guy. yeah yeah um that's the other thing too there's definitely there's definitely going to be that thing where if a player is white somebody's if who doesn't know basketball they're not <laughs> they're just going to automatically jeremy lynn? yeah Jer jeremy lynn wouldn't be picked either um Dude, jeremy lynn had trouble getting into an, into the nba because he was because of how he looked yeah i know yeah um there yeah by there's the way, he's in the g league by the way yeah he should uh He's had Jeremy Lin is at a really he's carved out a nice NBA career. I've, yeah. 
Um, unfortunately, it was he suffered uh, injuries towards the end of it. But he was a he was a he turned himself into a good player. You the thing with Jeremy was he had he had some elite level quickness, intelligence, and he you could tell he was like coached up to a T. Like he yeah. had learned so much and he had worked so hard to like get to where he was. Where he had he had a lot of solid fundamentals given with his quickness too. Yeah, he ended Very up turning into a really nice rotation guard and yeah in charlotte I, I like he, it was, yeah. i thought it was really sad that he like kind of in his prime he got put with other ball dominant players a little too often like yeah kemba like, and all that kemba mellow kobe harden harden like he never got to like we saw what he could do in his kind of prime with obviously linsanity but like even after linsanity like he is a solid guy that can run your offense and yeah. like really you can run offense through him but the problem is when you have other ball dominant guards along or not guards but just ball dominant players and scores along with him it just diminishes his value so much if uh if jeremy lynn was like born five years later he would probably be an effective rotation guard in today's Absolutely. nba or at least had more of a shot to yeah carve out that type of role because he was a solid ball handler and so, and i never i like i i've mentioned on the podcast before i should have appreciated with sanity a bit more but i just i guess i got annoyed with the anointing of the superstar but i always thought like okay this guy's solid he has a solid handle like he's just like whatever the cliche of uh pure point guard is like jeremy lynn is that like yeah. he could run he's salt he was solid at running pick and rolls um Probably just the thing is like he brought, he needed the ball in his hands to reach that potential. And the, the question obviously is always like, do you want to build everything around a Jeremy Lin led team? And it was like, well, the answer is probably no, but he was I definitely he, a solid like, he, guard. If he was ever able to play with uh, an off ball scorer, like, a, like if he played with DeMar DeRozan, right. Where like DeMar's, your star obviously and the one that you want to to have the ball and like to to be your main scoring option but he needs someone to get him the ball and like he's his he's best kind of catch and shooting off off the not off the dribble but sort of just cutting where i think that lynn yeah i can see this version of demar DeRozan yeah. this year yeah we're like yeah. you know or or even if you pair him with a with a big right like if you give lynn a dominant big that needs the ball uh, I think that could be a solid option as well, right? Like, I don't think you build a team around Jeremy Lin. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah. I don't think you're in a bad spot if he's, like, your second or third best player. I really wanted to see, like, what Houston Jeremy Lin was like, but and uh, because they remember they gave him that... Uh, that big extension to that get big, rid of... Yeah, that big poison play. pill type contract. But then, like, obviously, Harden and then Parsons started coming along. Think about that. Chandler Parsons was like... He would... Dude, if he Parsons. didn't have the knee, knee injuries, he would have been... A really Gordon good Hayward. stretch stretch uh, forward for today's NBA because he yeah, was six ten. He could legit handle. He could, le yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Who, by the way, we're we have gotten some uh, stuff wrong on these contracts. Well, at least so far this year. You know, yeah. I'm always well, willing to change. I, I do want to give up. I want. I, we should do a props segment on this. On, we'll do it in yeah. a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, what was? But uh, yeah, Chandler Parsons was is another player I think about. I think about Andre Karolinko too, kind of like in that same. Yeah, I think Karolinko's a AK forty seven would have killed. AK forty seven, 
like there is like he would have been i know he would have been an advanced metrics darling with how he could get steals how he could pass rebound how he could shoot um he those, the, he's the prototype Giannis. like what you want from Giannis is what think you about want think about those late 2000 jazz teams they kind of had some futuristic players like Mament okor could have yeah. is definitely would have been perfect for today's nba darren williams was the big point guard who could score but also pass um carlos boozer carlos boozer was really good like i know it's it hit bulls boozer and lakers boozer became a meme and we all remember how he spray painted his hair black for a national television game um but uh, carlos boozer in utah was really good and that team was that team was really underrated like the chris paul hornets and the late 2000s oh, i missed the, i missed Those, the chris paul's hornets yeah the chris paul darren williams battles were fun to watch but uh we should talk about the current nba before we get too far down the rabbit hole <laughs> yeah. rabbit hole of so that's uh, my fun question Those are, that's that's my fun my fun question for the day i'm glad uh, i i'm glad we started out with the fun question i just woke up from a nap i got my coffee and now now my engine is really started because that that question definitely caught me off guard <laughs> <laughs> i was like yeah, oh okay i gotta get the brain running now it's such a weird question but i love it because it's a thing of i think everyone has that experience where you walk into a gym or a park that you don't know and yep. and you want to play pickup and you're like well who's good and you, you yep. don't know right you're you're going off of maybe seeing one or two people shoot and then basically what they're look what they look like mm-hmm. and like what they're wearing right yep. like if if you got if you got a sweat sleeve if you got a shooting sleeve on and a wristband Fucking, I'm, I'm gonna you. i'm actually gonna <laughs> assume i actually i'm gonna assume or i'm gonna be wary of that because i think i also have seen people who wear yeah. a lot of gear and they're actually if you over if you over yeah if you have the headband the sleeve <laughs> and then the fucking the tight compressors i'm just like nah i'm not picking <laughs> that's the guy that's the guy that's bad but tries to tell you how to play that's the mm-hmm. guy yep. that's the guy that that's, that's the guy that raises his hand and says i'm playing point it's like, oh, I need you to, I need you to cut. It's like, wait, I can't cut with three guys in the lane. Everybody's <laughs> trying to post up. <laughs> but uh, so we're a, well, we're more than a quarter of a way through the NBA season now, and a lot of it, a lot of stuff's weird because people are picking All Star teams with like thirty-seven games played when usually like more than halfway. Yeah, yeah. Is, usually games, more usually. than halfway. And we're going to pick our all-star teams next week. But I wanted to bring that up because we're kind of at a mile marker point in the season now where we're kind of starting to see who the contenders are, how less talented, for me at least, how le- not less talented the East is. Well, I guess less talented than what I thought because I've really been... Oh, well, I'm sure you heard the Bill Simmons podcast today with Kevin O'Connor. Bill is basically having, oh, well, Bill was having a therapy session about the Celtics. And it, I know I rolled my eyes. I was like, great. We're starting off the podcast with another 20 minute Celtics segment. But it was actually kind of hilarious. Um, considering coming to the realization that Danny Ainge is not that great a DM. I think he's good, but it was like. It, it was so it's funny i had my uh friend evan on my uh, sly hooper podcast to talk about the Cavs, and at one point we brought up brad stevens and i was just and he he wanted to say brad stevens was overrated and i was like say it i was like uh emperor <laughs> palpatine i was like say it he's overrated say it and i and we were just like yeah he's overrated he's still good but i think danny ainge is overrated too because like he brought up a good point like the celtics 
like at some points, eventually you have to overpay for something. Like if you want somebody in the draft, go up and get the guy. That's what you have the war. If you want Anthony Davis, fucking flip one. Yeah. Take a shot. Although I will say, I do think they need to get their shit together now more because I do think you can build easily around two stars like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, right? Interchangeable wings, really good two-way players. Tatum's improving as a passer. Brown is blown all my expectations away coming into the draft. I didn't see this coming at all. I did not see this coming. Like, he says that one of his favorite players is T-Mac. And in terms of, like, his quick pull-up, like, his quick trigger dribble pull-up, I could definitely see... Like he was practicing that shot in the backyard after seeing some T Mac highlights. I thought on you. YouTube I thought you were about up. to. I thought you were about not, to compare him hell to T Mac. No, I'm like, hell, hell no. no. <laughs> hell no. I'm not. Hey, okay. Let Let me get something straight. Players obviously idolize players, right? Yeah. You, you can when see I the say, inspiration, right? When I I see the okay. Thank you. Thank you for putting it in a better phrase so I don't get yeah. clipped. There, I see <laughs> I the like, inspiration behind uh some of his moves like as soon as you brought him back i was like where's this going where's this going <laughs> i'm glad you i'm glad you got me to I, i'm glad you reined me back in because i did not mean to say he's as good as team but you get what i'm saying like yeah, there's yeah, yeah. inspiration behind some of his moves and i didn't think yeah. he would master those moves i thought he would be like a 22 23 point per game score i thought this his, dude is a I legit thought his, uh, i thought his ceiling was like an andre iguodala like warriors andre iguodala where he's just like kind of a role player like High quality defender, yeah, guy that you'd love to have on a team, but like not a reliable go-to scorer. He's becoming yeah. a reliable go-to scorer. Yeah, this is... is like two years now of like, okay, so or this is now more than almost two full seasons now of this, and it's like they should have the two stars now. They just got to build around them, but they've been whiffing on so many draft picks. And uh, also, I want to be fair, Marcus Smart's been hurt. Kimball Walker, though, think about I don't this. Know what is up with his hip? The Gordon Hayward decision. And one, the Gordon Hayward decision not to trade for Miles Turner. Think about how big yeah, that is. Yeah, I don't know. Tristan, I don't know where. I don't know why they didn't do that. Because now looking, looking at now, now, Tristan Thompson, he's been performing under expectations. He has not yeah. been good. And Daniel Tice, he's gotten better as a player. But if Daniel Tice is your starting center, okay, Embiid is already Embiid has already destroyed him. Giannis has already destroyed him. Like, and even if you get past that, then you have to go either Anthony Davis or Jokic. Jokic or. <laughs> Like or even or so bear. Like, yeah, that's the thing. If ja- if the Jazz, if things break right for the Jazz and they end up in the finals, Daniel Tice is just going to get annihilated by Gobert. Well, like the Jazz annihilated the Celtics the other night, right? Yeah. Like, um, but they've underperformed. And think about this: the Gordon Hayward non-trade decision, and then the decision to trade for Kemba Walker, basically, and let Terry Rozier walk. And even though I was like, okay, I would take. Kimba over Terry. The fact is, the Hornets are winning that side of the deal right now, on, on both counts. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of in- interesting, like how all of a sudden there's a lot less talent around this Celtics team. Um, Peyton Pritchard is really their best rookie out of this litter of uh, draft picks. Um, Neesmith hasn't been playing. Um, Robert Williams is starting to slowly come along, but he's still not there yet. And this team is trying to compete right now. They're on their extensions with Brown and Tatum. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's so interesting. Remember we were talking earlier this year when like right before the season, we were like, well, well, I don't know what Detroit's doing. Maybe they're stacking up on bigs until people need them. And then we were, we kind of laughed at like who needs bigs. There's mm-hmm. a lot of teams that need bigs. 
<laughs> like a hey, lot. The, we're, well, we kind of joked. We're just like, maybe the Pistons are like, you know, it's kind of like the Dogecoin or Robin Yeah, Hood you just shit. stock you up just, until just you stock up, hold, hold, <laughs> hold the fort. What is it? Hold the line. Yeah, hold the line. <laughs> I, they have the Pistons have diamond hands with these bigs. And now, you know, like say, you know, the Brooklyn Nets come calling. Hey, I need a bouncy big. How's Mason? I need a bouncy big. That's a passer. How's Mason Plumlee looking out there? You know, because yeah. DeAndre Jordan can't get rebounds anymore. <laughs> it's always crazy to be like DeAndre Jordan is still athletic, right? But like he's lost a bit of that athleticism to where it doesn't make him an effective player as much of an effective he's player as he used motor, to. Too. Like he's, he's not, lost his mo- yeah, yeah, he's yeah more so than the athleticism. Just like there's no because the thing that I loved about DeAndre Jordan. Well, there's no Doc the- Rivers to get in his ass either. Well, yeah, but the thing I loved about DeAndre Jordan with like Lob City. And again, I wasn't a huge fan of those Lob City teams because I, I, I thought that they didn't have, I didn't, I was never a Blake Griffin guy. But anyway, there's the, some Laker I, bias in there too. You can admit, yeah. It. But uh, <laughs> I, I just didn't. I never thought they had like a, they just never seemed cohesive to me. But anyway, the, oh yeah, yeah. The, the thing that I loved about DeAndre DeAndre Jordan was that he, always had like second, third efforts. Like he was always fighting on the glass. Yeah, and I loved it. And there's it's. I love the fire there. It's it was among of, the league leaders in rebounding for a while. Absolutely. And it's, well, I, I want to bring it up in a prop section too about Kuzma. It's just like when you see a guy go in there and like understand what he's there to do and understand like I'm here to rebound and get boards and like battle and like go in there and battle. And that's what his role is here with the Nets, but he doesn't, he's not given the effort anymore. And it probably, it's probably the age. <laughs> oh yeah, like, definitely. A lot I, can't, of it is I can't do this for 48 minutes a game, right? Or I can't, you know, as long as they need me. Like, they have Jeff Green playing the five, and man, it's scary to watch Jeff Green play the five. And I yeah. like Jeff Green, too. He's an effective... I, I will say, Jeff Green is an effective five, but uh, stretch has with the Rockets, it show, he showed that he could be an effective stretch five, and with the Nets, he's been good also. That's because he's playing with great players, obviously. But, like, yeah, when it comes playoff time... um. I this is why it was a bummer that the Nets did not have Durant or Kyrie in both of these Sixers Nets matchups. I really wanted to see how they matched up against the Nets because, like, we probably have the Sixers probably have what they're short a perimeter defender because you have to check Irving, Durant, and Harden. And we really have Simmons and Thibel, and Harris is probably going to get one of those two, the whoever's left over, right? But like, they have no answer for Embiid. Or Simmons, for that matter. Or unless you put Durant on Simmons. But you're asking Kevin Durant already to be one of your best defenders at 32 coming off an Achilles. And we've talked about the Nets before. But, like, back with DeAndre, like, Harden will throw him, like, those old-school Lob City lobs, like, twice. And then, like, he'll keep trying it. And I'm sure DeAndre, the whole game, is just like, dude, I can't jump that high anymore that many times. (laughs) Like, two's the max for me. (laughs) Do I remember uh, one time I walked, we walked in to so i used to work at ArcLight in sherman oaks which is a movie theater so i was a manager there and eventually eventually i was a projectionist but I, at the time i was a manager and also i was walking the floor and there's just two there's a big crowd of people and these two gigantic humans and i was like who the fuck is that and i look over and i was like oh shit it's blake griffin and it's deandre jordan yeah that arc lights the theater where all the yeah all the like, celebs and shit <clears throat> go to yeah like well i got to know i got to know uh 
Kareem really well. Like Kareem's agent had my phone number for a long time because he used to come in and like, you know, I used to set him up with stuff. Uh, so Ooh. I like I have I have Kareem autograph cards because of that. But anyway, uh, so anyway, we we, we we walk or they're walking through and people are get, like, you know, saying hi, whatever. <laughs> and then all of a sudden someone from the back yells, Clippers suck. And, <laughs> and, and they, they both turn their heads around. <laughs> And then, uh, uh, dude, it's, it's so good. It was so. It, it was it, so that funny. is that is such an LA fucking thing because yeah, it's, it's so it's great. Totally a Lakers town still. Like you just get that <laughs> subtle reminder. Clippers suck. Yeah, I don't care if you're in the same room as me. <laughs> it's so good, dude. <laughs> That's I'm, pretty... I'm like, I've, I've, I've. It's on the other spectrum. There was a time I met Lamar Odom, and it was fucking. It was one of the saddest and most heart, saddest yet heart most heartwarming things I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, he seems to be do he seems to be doing well now, which Yeah. Is so at the time point. at the time when we were when I was working there, it was around like it was at the peak of his like issues. Mm-hmm. So he comes in one day and he's like clearly out of it. Like clearly just like struggling to move and like he just wants to chill out and bake in a in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And so you know normally with that we'd call for you know an ambulance or call someone or you know call the police of like hey this is like there's this junkie in the in the movie theater but no the we we took care of him we made sure he needed any help we walked into his theater we got him whatever he needed and like everyone took care of him and like was just understanding that hey he's going through some shit (laughs) and uh you know we don't need to make his life any harder than it already is yeah and uh you know yeah just give him his space and everyone's real nice to him and you know he i was like dude he doesn't even know where he is right now <laughs> but it's like yeah. you know just let him let him let him go through his thing and do do what you can to help him like he has no there's no reason to for us to yeah, call the of, cops or anything of course yeah of course uh though yeah it was uh i'm glad he's out of i'm glad uh, absolutely that he's out of this uh stuff now too because like there is that there is yeah there there was all those wild stories and i remember like tmz was like tracking like you know his stuff that was going on in vegas right and uh, yeah it, i just remember like being like oh my god like just basically hoping and you know wanting him to pull through because he was an awesome player too i mean i'm sure you know for the uh oh yeah i love Lamar. He, he was he was i mean i was actually watching some of the uh celtics lakers uh finals because for yeah. some reason the last like week and i need to watch today's thinking basketball because they released a video on him but i've been watching kevin garnett stuff yeah. For the last like week and a half, two weeks. And uh so I ended up watching some of the Celtics Lakers series uh from the 08 finals. And it, those are some battles, man. Um KG, and the Lakers KG's were one of my favorite players. Yeah. But uh but um yeah, I could you imagine Lamar Odom with more intensity, like more fire? Because I think mm-hmm. I like Lamar, when you look at him, he had all of the talents and all the skills that like you would see in like a LeBron or a Luca today of just like, yep. yeah, he, he's a, he's a big guy that can run your offense and can, is can shoot, can dribble, can play defense, can rebound, can do all this stuff. He just never had the fire. He always like slept walk through games. My dad used to, I was used to laugh when I was a kid. My dad used to say that Lamar Odom's the only person that could play 35 minutes and not sweat. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Then when they became a contender, they, it got serious. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah uh but uh speaking of contenders we we should uh fast forward back to the fast forward back to the present um 
in the West, uh, I'm wondering what's your, I know we talked about the jazz, the last podcast we were on. I have to say I'm starting to, when I, when you start watching more games and you look into the numbers and you look at the season Mitchell's having, which Shaq wants to take all the credit for. I just want to say Mitchell has been averaging the same numbers before the Shaq interview and then after the Shaq (laughs) interview. And Mitchell has been fantastic all year. So no, Shaq, you don't get credit. That is one of the gripes I have with one of the few gripes I have with inside the NBA, although I don't get bothered by it. Like I don't get bothered by the show as a whole, like a lot of people do. Like we talked about, it's entertainment and stuff. But like it is dangerous when... It is dangerous, especially when Chuck says like, oh, I don't he, when uh, the Mavs were on and they were bricking all those threes against the Warriors and Chuck's called those guys called the players dumbasses playing dumbass basketball. And I don't want to watch this shit. Like when you say that on a national stage, that's where the casual that type of casual fan gets created. The ones that right. I hate arguing with. And it's like. I think there, there is, is a propensity for older players <clears throat> to for some reason go at the younger generation yeah. i mean and that's why i love I, I love speaking of kg i love what he said a couple weeks ago me too he like it was such a perfect statement for him to say uh but i the thing with looking deeper into the charles argument i do have i think we both i think we agree for different reasons if that makes sense like i think for him it's more of a don't shoot so many threes my thing goes back to a thing where the the i don't understand the mavericks game plan i i just don't agree with the game plan of okay your threes aren't falling that's okay but you have a clear size advantage like there's an adjustment that has to be made to where yeah let's pound let's drive the basketball let's go inside let's let's use our size let's use porzingis let's post them up let's do more stuff that way where they just weren't they there was like a refusal mm-hmm. to adjust oh yeah, yeah yeah shooting threes and again like i when Charles says dumbass basketball, I think I agree with him in a certain way of like, yeah, you have to make adjustments. I don't think that's what he meant. You know what I'm saying? Like we both I don't agree. Think that, I, I think he was, say, I think he was saying it more in the vein of these guys are shooting jumpers. Like he had that whole yeah. jump shooting stick when, before the Warriors won yeah, the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually. So, but, uh, so again, like, I think I agree with him that like, yeah, it's, it's kind of a dumbass basketball, but I I think we disagree do, for the reasons why. I do agree with you though that like yeah, you want to make adjustments of course like I if you want to go more inside cuz I don't think the Mavs have a size advantage but they don't have like players to no, they don't have that the, size, right? right? I mean, so the like, only one the, I would really, say like I would say post up Luka. I would say yeah. post up Luka you can because invert the offense, right? Yeah. Yeah, invert the offense a little bit if it's not working because I think poor Zingas at this point, he is what he is. He's going to be a shooter. I don't think you can really ask him to post up. I mean, I, like I still think all, the post, all game. I, I still think he's a post fade player. I think he has that ability to do that. And he has, oh, yeah, he does. He has do. that. He has, he has moves. He's not Dwight Howard where he, he has no moves. Like he can post up and he has up and unders. He, he can definitely moves. shoot over the top, but I think that's really all he has. And so like, right. I would just get, but a I great, mean, I would rather yeah. have, if you have a size advantage, if you're, if the guy guarding you, it, cause Porzingis, I think, I can't remember. I think that game, like Porzingis had, there was no one that could guard him. Yeah. The Warriors wise. had no thinners. And so it was like, okay, well just, take instead of taking that three that you're taking take it a little closer and just kind of shoot over the top of people there's no reason for you to keep taking these threes that you're missing over and over and over again and so again i when charles says dumbass basketball i go my first reaction is yeah 
I agree. And these are my reasons why. And then I'd look into Charles reasons why. And I'm like, no, we disagree as to why yeah. this is dumb. That's, but... that's, that's the thing with inside the NBA, right? Like sometimes they'll get to the right, they'll get to the right destination, but they take a different but the, route. Yeah, the way, the way to get there is like completely <laughs> wrong. I was like, okay, you're, I was like, you're right. I was like, you're right. But I disagree with how you're. Yeah. 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 I know. I get it. But, uh, I bring that up because, uh, well, the Utah Jazz, um, I'm starting to, especially if they keep the one seed, they don't have to play the Lakers until the Western Conference Finals. I think they're starting to reach the point, remember the 2014 Spurs, where they just reached peak in terms of movement, player movement, ball movement, and shooting, and just being a cohesive unit, because they had played together for a long time. I think the Jazz are starting to reach that level. We're starting to see... You see it in games, but now you're they're reaching that point to where you're starting to see nightly clips on Twitter where they're the ball is just hopping around and they're getting open mm-hmm. shots. And I think one, Donovan Mitchell has done a great job carrying the jazz in the non-go bear minutes. Kevin O'Connor brought this stat up and it makes a lot of sense. But one of the reasons Conley is having a resurgent year is because he's playing 85 to 90 percent of his minutes with Go Bear, and he's never had a pick and roll player that dynamic like Gasol was a great dance partner but he was more of a I'm gonna post you up I'm gonna fade to the basket Rudy Gobert is one of the elite screen guys in the NBA he has been for a long time and Conley's kind of finding some resurgence and Mitchell is left carrying the scoring load when he's because he's played only 40 percent of his minutes with Gobert and but he's doing a great job carrying the load and I think he might the questions about him being the best guy on a championship team are fair, but I think on this particular team, the Jazz can win a championship with Donovan Mitchell being a star in his role as a scorer. And he could play make yeah. a little bit too, because he's upped his assist a little bit. But like, this is the most efficient season of his career so far. And uh, the Jazz have multiple guys who can dribble, shoot, and pass. And I think while they won't necessarily have the great super. Defenders. Yeah, and they have great defenders as well. And I don't think in the playoffs when, uh, you know, they don't have the superstar necessarily to, you know, carry a team in the rough stretches of a playoff game. But I do think they have enough ball handlers and shooters and a dynamic scorer in Mitchell, especially when he catches fire, that they could on it. They have such a great defense and a good ball movement offense that I just think if things break right, they could be the ones playing the Lakers in the conference finals. Because think about this, too. They've been together for a while now, at least yeah. a lot of that core. Bogdanovich was kind of hurt last year, but him and Conley now are well-adjusted to this system. They have their nine guys. They have Clarkson. They have uh, Niang coming off the bench. They have Derek Favors being a backup center, and he's a really solid player. They just have nine solid de- – they go nine deep with solid dudes, and then they could probably go ten if they wanted to. They probably have play- They have players at the back end of the bench developing as well, and I I just – I like what I've seen from the Jazz so far, and I am now buying them as a contender in the uh, – like a legit contender. Relative to the Lakers, of course, I think they're the still – I think the Lakers are still the clear favorite, but I think the Jazz have started separating themselves from the rest of the pack in the West. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with that. I think that they're the first of the teams, though, just because I think I think they're the ones that are clicking the soonest. Just because again, like they've been around the longest. I think that we're gonna start seeing teams like the Suns. Oh, the Suns have been playing well. Lately. Yeah, but I th- I think like the Suns, I could see the Nuggets as well. 
And I could see some other teams start to climb up and start to hit their, their like, not inflection point, but I, I can see them start to hit their motor and start to go. Where I think the Jazz have have figured it out and they're they're hitting they're going to the races. Where I think now we're going to start to see, now that we're getting to the back half of the season, I think we're going to start to see some of these teams kind of hit their stride. Yeah, um, um, it's gonna it's gonna start to to snowball out where you're going to start to clearly see the difference. And yeah, I, and honestly, I think, and it's it's weird for me to say this. I think the <laughs> we talk about them every week, and I feel so bad because I I feel like other teams to talk about. I feel like the Pelicans are getting close to that point too, because I think that I think the trade rumors I think fired up Lonzo. I think the I think the the combination of the trade rumors and Lamelo balling out both fired up Lonzo, and he's figured something out. Because when you watch him play, especially with Zion, he's doing a great his. He's not holding the ball anymore. He's figuring out what? where to get Zion the ball in places, and Zion's thriving. I also think uh, Stan Van Gundy pulled the, uh, and Dwayne Wade himself actually talked about it as I bring up this example, but in what was it, Dwayne Wade's second year, third year in Miami, Stan Van Gundy decided to move him to the shooting guard pretty much because um, yeah. they tried to make him point guard. And uh, he's kind of done that with Zion, but in a different way. He's putting the ball in his hands a lot more on the perimeter so he can attack because uh, yeah, his first step is ridiculous. And uh, I think in turn, it's helped Lonzo fall into place. Um, the Pelicans have lost three in a row. I cannot get a damn read on the Pelicans. Like, no, it's, it's so I think weird. In event, I'm going to get to the point where it's kind of like, okay, you are who you are at this point. Um, you're just going to be an up and down young team unless a move happens at the trade deadline. But um, well, it's weird because have... I'm, I watch them in stretches. I'm like, man, this seems really good. And they're down yeah. by 20. I'm like, how? Yeah, it's really, it's really a strange. Um, it's really just a strange dichotomy just watching this team because, yeah, they, for stretches, you're just like, oh, Zion's attacking the rim. Brandon Ingram's running some pick and roll with Zion, hit him with a pocket pass. Uh, um, they're start maybe they're starting to figure out how to put Adams on the court along with Zion, having him attack from the perimeter. Lonzo Ball is three point shot is coming back, and then you look, they still are, they they're still they've lost three in a row. They're eleven and fifteen, although they're still a game out of the uh, a game out of the uh, play in tournament. But it's just they're still terrible defensively. They're twenty eighth in defensive rating, but their offense is seventh and. It's kind of back. like the same profile as last year, uh, which is really weird because Stan was supposed to be brought in to be this guy that'll shore up the Pelicans to be an average defensive team, maybe. But, you know, Kyra Lewis is starting to play more, which is nice. Um, Eric Bledsoe is also apparently um, shooting the hell out of the ball um, also, but I would still trade him. He's shooting 40% from three this year, which is by far his career high. I wonder yeah. how much of that I know it's a quarter of a way through the season, so I can't say small sample size. We just never seen Eric Bledsoe shoot 40% from three for an entire season. So I'll believe it when it when the season's over, I guess. I guess I'm just going to be stubborn about that. But um, this Pelicans team is weird, man. And I can't, like, I can't hope for them to just figure it out eventually because I think they're kind of are who they are at this point, I guess, if that yeah. makes sense. I think the the thing with me is it goes down to just them they give up a lot of games like yeah they, they'll, they'll be up and like killing teams and then they'll just give it up 
And mm-hmm. so I think like just the that was a that was a trend too with the with the young with the young core Lakers with Lonzo and Ingram where they would just give up games. Yeah. Where like I always said the like Lakers before LeBron got there that were with the young core where it's, it's Ingram Lonzo the uh, one where Luke who's... Walton got them to 15th in defensive rating yeah. and that bought like, him another chance to get a coaching job. Yeah. But like that 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 year was they were when you look at their stats they were up in the third going into the fourth quarter and i think over half of those games that they lost and it's like oh well they just they just can't play fourth quarters like what yeah they're either ahead or tied in over like almost half of those games that they lost mm. and you're like well they're young i get that and maybe that could be a symptom here too but i mean i don't i don't know I, you got to ask like how much veteran leadership does someone like Steve Nas bring, which I think is quite a bit. I think he's actually pretty important for like a culture standpoint. Um, I need to watch the whole podcast, but I've seen he's fantastic. But JJ Reddick had him on the podcast, yeah. and anytime Stephen Adams talks, he just he's just an interesting dude. Um, but I would well, highly like, recommend that to people. He's awesome. He's just this New New Zealand fucking yeah, Jason. Yeah, he definitely guy. has that New he's Zealand like, vibe, and he's just like I'm just I'm just rolling with the wind and stuff like that. Like he has that type of vibe around yeah. it, and he he's pretty interesting when he talks, especially when he talks about the league and stuff. But uh, yeah, a very uh, interesting dude. I think a very intelligent dude. I think he's a great leader. I think he's a great, he's a great vet to have around Zion, just mm-hmm. as a person. Uh, I again, we can talk, we can argue fit all day, but like I think. I think as a as a human, he's a great mentor. Oh yeah, for sure. He's bet. a yeah. He's definitely a great teammate. And Never... then putting putting him putting him with JJ too. I just like the the I like the the teaching and the leadership that they've put around these like young kids. Yeah, uh, but you know. That's, but eventually that's... they have to play better, especially yeah. Eventually, Van Gundy is going to have to you know do something because he was supposed to be. And I kind of this was my worry with Stan Van Gundy. Like I think he's a good coach still, but I whenever I see him especially with the pistons although to be fair he was also the uh, president of basketball operations which is a disaster to have two dual roles like that yeah. i always think that's a disaster but um he but i i was afraid like the game might have passed him a little bit and i fear fearing that might be the case although he's had he's i'm not he's tried stuff definitely i think putting the ball in zion's hands more is a lot is um is definitely is it is a forward thinking move. Um but we'll see. Um about yeah, they're doing the a great job of getting him the ball early. And yeah. teams don't know when when Zion catches the ball at like uh, like top of the key, it's terrifying because yeah. teams don't know how to because he's he's such a smart passer and he makes the right play, but he's so quick and he's so big that once he gets a ahead of steam, you can't stop him. So you have it's such a weird puzzle piece he's such a weird puzzle piece for teams to solve uh mm-hmm. and it makes it makes defenses think in a way that the, you wouldn't if he was just posting up all the time uh yeah but yeah i i think they're interesting i think they're fascinating i think if i could see them putting if any team's going to put pieces together i think they're like a surprise team that you can be like oh wow they just put because they did it last year too where halfway through the season right after all-star break they're really like oh the pelicans figured it out yeah, the the difference between the eighth seed and the fourteenth seed right now is two and a half games. There's a lot of jumbled teams. My Rockets are starting to fall behind, and it's been it's well, been Christian shitty Wood ever since Kristen Wood being 
ever since Christian Wood went down, they've lost a lot of production there. And that means Boogie's going to have to play more minutes than maybe he should. And there's not really much left behind, you know, the backup center spot. And uh, the Rockets, when they were when they were whole for like that whole two week stretch, when they, they were, were like six and three, <laughs> they were like first in defensive rating. Their offense was kind of janky, but it worked also. Um I really like this Rockets team. And then, of course, the the Christian Wood injury happened. And that looked like a really um, terrible ankle turn, uh, too. And I, hope he, and I hope he gets back soon. But Oladipo might, might have suffered um, a leg injury um, in the Miami game, the TNT game, last week. And who, know, who knows how long that will affect him. It's just uh, the Rockets, they have a lot of players that I like. They're, the reason they were fun is because they are fun is because they have a lot of rough and tough, rugged dudes on the team. Like Jay Sean Tate is a really good rookie. Uh, John Wall, um, Victor Oladipo. You just think of guys with chips on their shoulder. Christian yeah. Wood. I mean, he called Shaq a casual on national yeah. TV, awesome. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. And then, of course, you got Boogie, PJ Tucker. Um, Eric Gordon has been a really good defender this year. Like the Rockets just have, they, I like their personnel. It's just the problem with a team like the Rockets is they kind of have to be healthy and stuff has to break right for them to win some games because in a league where offense is more and more starting to become King, uh, they're kind of getting outclassed in that way. And maybe we're seeing the limitations of a John Wall led team because teams are still going under on his screens on his screen and rolls and stuff like that. Yeah. But they were an interesting team. And I still think that all these teams have a chance, the thunder, the Pelicans, the Rockets, the Sacramento Kings, they've been struggling a little bit. They hit a three game rut after playing well, like the Mavericks are starting to finally at least figure some stuff out before their, uh, their offense is shooting back up. Yeah, their offense is shooting back up. They lost the other night to Portland, but that was more because, you know, their defense. Um, but it's uh, the West uh, The West at the bottom is like, it's a bloodbath, man. Um, yeah. I think it's crazy to me that the Spurs are 16 and 11 with a bunch of young dudes and DeMar DeRozan. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge is washed at this point. I think any, if you think, if you look at any lineup data that involves LaMarcus Aldridge, it's kind of, uh, is bad and he looks bad too and yeah. uh might be getting to that point but i mean the spurs are the sixth seed man the blazers damian lillard is like carrying this team, team. <laughs> he's willing this team no cj mccollum no nurkic zach collins out for the year again harry giles is their backup center behind ennis Cantor, who's starting and they're really reliant gary trench jr is good Robert Covington's going through his usual shooting slump, but they they really don't have much else besides Melo popping off every three games. Like what the Blazers are doing is incredible, but I think to me the the class of the West right now is definitely the Lakers, Jazz, Clippers, and Suns. It sucks that Paul George has the bone endymia in his toe, and I've read up on that injury. It sounds like he could be out for a bit um, if. The prognosis is what it is. Um, And then I still think the Nuggets, they have a run in them. I just think Jokic has, I don't think Jokic has been the reason why the Nuggets have been up and down to start. I think it's because they lost a bunch of important defensive personnel. And um, Paul Millsap's a year older. Michael Porter Jr. is 
learning the defensive end of the court if I could be nice about it. <laughs> but uh, I still think the Nuggets at the end of the day will make it to this tier as well. So I think there's a clear tier now for me in the West with the Lakers heading that crop. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the I I have I also have a lot of belief in the Nuggets. I think that Michael Porter Jr. The more I watch him, the more special I think he is. Agreed. And I know like that's I, I've heard people say the other way where like they're concerned defensively. I I just think like when you have a guy that that's with that, that kind of size and can shoot like that. Can shoot like him. He has such a fluidity to his movement and such a natural like and he's a scorer, but he doesn't need the ball. Yeah, like he has such a natural aptitude to score. Like he's cutting and he's mm-hmm. doing the extra stuff that you normally don't see out of young kids like that. Like I just, yeah. see, to me, the sky's the limit for that dude. At, uh, at most, it's like one dribble, two dribbles, but he's pulling that shit quickly, and it's usually yeah. going in because he's a great shooter. Like he's a like he yeah um he's definitely his future is bright and i agree with you we do kind of harp on the defense a little bit it's just that where this team is at right now just in terms of their status as a contender they kind of need michael porter Absolutely. to pick it up a I, little a little bit more but as far as development michael porter is right where i think he's going to be special yeah i agree so, with that. so i do have a question for you okay one shoot do you think derrick rose loves tibbs as much as tibbs loves him or and what does this trade do to the knicks because we didn't talk about we didn't get to talk about this last week. Oh well, um, I do think it's the other way around because Tibbs just can't get enough of the players that <laughs> used to put up with his shit all the time, like Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose, etc. Um, I mean, look, it's helped the Knicks recently. I'm sure. I don't know. I wouldn't have. I would have just left the team as is because I think Derrick Rose is just more of a stopgap move. Well, to like, me, Derrick Rose right now is his he's best served as a luxury piece for a contender. Like he yeah. is the he is like the over the hump guy of like, hey, we need one extra push to get us into this contender spot. Like I think the clip if he if he went to the Clippers, they would instantly shoot up to me as a contender. I guess to replace the Reggie Jackson minutes but then it's like the same thing to me it's like they don't have a point guard to set up the table even with no, Paul George least, and Kawhi's improved playmaking you know but at but, least it at least it gives you a little more levity to like okay here's someone else that I can trust with the ball where it you know it's not just Lou Williams <laughs> like yeah 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 I yeah I get you uh, I just wouldn't have I guess they didn't give up much I I like second round picks, so I wouldn't have traded my 2021 second round pick for well, if I was a middling team like the Knicks. I just to me not... to me the Knicks haven't done a good job in general with the draft picks. Like we'll talk about Emmanuel quickly in a second, but like they're they in general they haven't done a great job finding diamonds in the rough in the back end of the drafts. Yeah, so you know I could see I could see why you want to make this move, and again like. If Tibbs wants him, okay, I guess this is working. And and they're playing great basketball. I think they can make the playoffs. Uh, yeah, they are. What are they? They they're the uh, seventh seed right now. Our Charlotte yeah. Hornets, by the way, are the sixth seed in the East at thirteen and fifteen. See, I they thought three good. through seven. I thought three through seven was going to be solidified. Um, but uh, the Heat are still trying to find their way. They're in the play in. But yeah, the Hornets are looking good ever since uh, Lamelo started. And uh, kind of been clamoring for that. Unfortunately, it took an injury for that to happen. But um, 
like I said, um, I really love the backcourt of LaMelo and Terry Rozier. As much as I want them to fade for Cade, um, I really like what I've seen from, yeah, shout out Nick Agar Johnson. He he said that to me the other day. I can't take paid the credit for that. for Cade <laughs> fade, is my fade, favorite thing. Yeah, fade, fade for <laughs> Cade. <laughs> um, but uh lamello's been spectacular i don't the thing about lamello is like it's not just like there there will be games where he won't put up the gaudy numbers that he's been putting up every other game as of late but like there's a pace and there's a pace and a different energy that his other teammates play with when he's on the court like Melo sees even the simple passes lamello makes like he puts a little extra spin on the ball to give that to give the uh, um to give the receiver the extra split the extra split second to make a move and beat their defender like he'll pass it ahead of time like there's just he he's a just a special ball mover and if he realizes that like if he starts realizing his scoring potential that's just going to open up more passing lanes for him um, well, right now, if he's if he continues to hit the three the way that he's hitting his yeah, three, that's the big. I thing. don't know. I don't know how you stop him. Like I don't, I I hesitate to call someone unstoppable because it's it's such a a generic term. But Lamelo right now, if he's hitting his threes, he is unstoppable because he can get to the. He has such a perfect frame to get to the basket. Yeah, he has he has good feel, good touch to get around the basket. He has good quickness. He's again like a a savant passing passer and intelligent basketball player. So the only thing you can really do is play off of him. But if he's hitting his threes, especially the deep ones that he's hitting pretty consistently, like, I don't mm-hmm. know how you, you can't stop him. So there's no his, way to stop him. So in the last eight games, all games he started, he's averaging 20.9, 21 points per game, seven rebounds per game, six assists per game, nearly two steals a game on 43% on 44 basically percent shooting from the three point line on over seven attempts per game. And he is just, he's been awesome. And uh, he is now starting to, I'm not saying he's pulling away, but I've put him ahead of Tyrese Halliburton for rookie of the year. I I think he's already pulled away, but that's just my opinion. Well, no, I think Tyrese Halliburton has been, I think he's, I think he's been just as good, Uh, not, not lately because Lamelo's starting, but I think when, before LaMelo started, I think it was, I thought it for me, it was not clearly Halliburton. I thought LaMelo and uh, Halliburton were in a class by themselves. But uh, after this recent stretch, I, I that's why I put LaMelo ahead of Halliburton. And if he keeps playing this way, I think he's going to run away with rookie of the year because now he's there's starting my, and he's pick. producing. There's my, there's my, there's one of my yeah. predictions. Yeah, there, yeah, there it is. Um, He's definitely hitting the remember we were saying he was a low floor, high ceiling type of guy. He's definitely the thing is with him, he's always had the qualities to where it was more likely he had a better chance of hitting the high ceiling just because he was a yeah. good passer and his feel for the game and stuff. And now he's hitting the three, which is, you know, we'll see if it comes down and stuff. Like now his average is up to 35% on the season. So um we'll see if he comes back down to earth. Um, but you could definitely see that. The shooting is there for him or the development's there for him to be a better shooter. Like there's a and lot of it, ground to uncover. When you watch him now that he's been starting, the, I don't know how closely you've watched the last like three or four games. He's playing some fantastic defense. He's using yeah. his his floor sense to like really play passing lanes really yeah, well. Yeah, he's playing yeah, he's playing passing lanes really well. He'll uh I've seen him 
I do I do see him get caught out in no man's land when he's like playing free safety sometimes. Yeah, and he, he does is. get pushed around by bigger players because he's like a skinny kid, obviously. And he gets, but he gets he's he already caught, shown me good signs. He gets caught ball watching quite a bit too, but that's a young player thing. Yeah, like, that's that'll young, change yeah. as he gets as he gets older. But but yeah, he's yeah. you could see his IQ on that end of the floor for sure. Like he plays yeah. passing lanes well. He knows like where where the ball is moving next and where the next rotation is coming. Like he's already kind of picking some of that stuff up as a rookie already, which is impressive. It's kind of like like Halliburton is like this times five like he's one of the he does not make a mistake like it's crazy to say but like he does not make a mistake as a rookie he rotates well he i think he's the king's leader in deflections and he just he is a really solid defender the it's like with lamello the only problem with halliburton is if a guy weighs more than 200 pounds he's gonna move (laughs) halliburton out of the way right but um this rookie class is impressive, and I think people are surprised by it, but to me, it's kind of like, it's. I'm not saying it's right on schedule, but I'm not surprised by it because the bill on this draft was there's a lot of good players, a lot of players that have the potential to be really good role players. And I think because people knew that going into this draft, I think a lot of the rookies came in with the mindset of, I know what to do in my role. Like Anthony Edwards' attitude and how he's approached his rookie year. Like, I love that kid, especially when he had attitude concerns coming out of college, and I just don't see it at all. He's He he has been playing really well as of late. And then you got guys like Sadiq Bey. Patrick Williams is starting for the Bulls. Like mm-hmm. Emmanuel Quigley is huge. Emmanuel Quigley has revitalized New York. This has been the Knicks' best point guard since Linsanity. <laughs> like, literally. And, uh, yeah. And uh, th- this, I'm not surprised. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I predicted this rookie class would be really good. I just think the class is really good because we knew that they would be role players who already knew what they were good at and that they that's how they would survive in the league. So yeah. it, it's been really cool to see this rookie class. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's such a weird – it's going to be such a weird difference thing about next year where next year there's a lot of star talent that probably need a lot more development. I think Cade is really the only one that I've seen so far where I go, oh, he's ready to go now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone else, uh, when you talk about like Kaminga and and all the other guys, like they just they there's a little bit of I think Jalen sucks polish. too. Yeah, there's there's just a little more polish that needs to happen. Where I think that this class came in a little more ready. Yeah, and, and like you're saying, like they knew what they're good at and they're they're doing it well. I think the thing with this class is there's a lot of guys where, like, I think Lamelo. And maybe Edwards down the line are are the only guys where you trust them to be the best player on your team. Yeah, where, that's that's where you would bet on. Like, like if as much as I love Halliburton and I think he's great, if Tyrese Halliburton is the best player on your team, you're something having went wrong. something something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, you have a problem. Oh, I def I still have my upside questions about Halliburton. Maybe not as much as because he's already doing what I thought he would be down the road. Um, yeah. so I think his ceiling's a little bit higher, but yeah, if he's the best guy on a champion or not a championship team, but if, if you're building around Halliburton as your best player, something went wrong in your rebuild. Yeah. So again, I think he's, he's one of the perfect pieces that you can get as like, he could be the second or third best guy on any championship team. But if you're, yep. if you're relying on him as your quote unquote franchise guy, I think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I can say that about a lot of the guys in this draft class too, where I, I trust them to be my second or third best player 
at their peaks, but I don't know if I trust them to be a franchise guy that you're building around. I think that I think Lamelo and Edwards are the only two guys. I've again, I love the talent with Wiseman. He's been hurt, so we haven't seen too much of him. But mm. the I, I, there's he shows flashes, but then he shows like he just, he, he looks he like just, a baby deer out there still. Yeah, he just gets lost. And I think again, I think being on the team with Draymond and Steph and Clay is going to help him and oh, help yeah. his development. But at the same time, like you know, I at this point, he just comes off as a little bit more aloof, especially on. I didn't expect the aloofness on. I expected on defense. I didn't expect the amount of aloofness that we see from him on offense, where sometimes he doesn't know where to stand or like how to space the floor. Yeah, and like that's a concern. Where that yeah. Like to me, that's I, I want to give him a bit of the, of the game, doubt right? because he is 19 and he's played eight, like he played three college games and yeah. 15 NBA games. But one thing I am concerned with with Wiseman that I've noticed, um, he doesn't have the best hands. Yeah, so I noticed that <laughs> his hands are his hands are huge, and I don't and I feel like he should be catching more of the passes that he receives and. When he catches it them, just, he like bob- they bobble a little. He, when he it, yeah, when he catches it on the block, he bobbles it a little bit. When they try to lob it to him, when he catches the lob and finishes, it's like, oh shit, there's the athleticism and the talent of Wiseman. But a lot of the times the lob is like he bobbles it and has to bring it back down and go and up, up, but then he'll lose yeah. it. Like I my my little worry with Wiseman, as much as I like the talent, is that I don't know if his I don't know if hands necessarily get better unless like there's like a basketball equivalent of a jug machine or something like they have in football, but like, um, I am concerned about the hands. Like, Cause there's a lot of plays, especially when they were, when he was starting, there's a lot of plays where you're like, cool. Wiseman catch and then catch turn and spin. And you have a layup. Yeah. And like, instead it's catch bobble and then not know what to do with the ball and then try a weird fade or post up. Or just kick it back out, and you're like, "Well, that's a waste of a possession." Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've noticed <laughs> it's funny. I've noticed this with Dwight Howard too, who has been awful like in the <laughs> last like month and a half. But like, even when he was playing well, dude, his hands are awful. Like he, like he'll mess up lobs. He'll try to put back dunk, and he always misses the. He'll get offensive rebounds like crazy, and then he jumps so high, you think he's gonna finish easily with the layup, but then he like bricks it or misses a dunk or can't catch the lob, and it's like, man, like I felt like I watched a lot of Laker games last year, and yeah, he's like that, <laughs> and like he was playing well last year, but I am not seeing the Lakers Dwight Howard as of late and he probably he had the hands problem I think with the Lakers too um also but like man now that I'm watching him like every game I'm just <laughs> not like he's, oh. not he's yours he's You're still looking- the he's still the back he's still the best backup center in beats had but the problem is like when you play Dwight and Simmons together he needs to play with Simmons needs to play with the stretch five or else the offensive rating for Dwight Simmons lineups are absolute trash but uh anyway before before we uh before this podcast ends we're an hour in i wanted to talk about the east also cuz i yeah. think the east is now i think the east is more interesting i think the east is interesting in the sense of what's going to happen 4 through basically 11 because one the magic have just been snake bitten with injuries they're being they're decimated they might trade vooch at the trade deadline probably um evan fournier i feel so bad for them too cuz i actually do Fully healthy. I love the Magic roster. Yeah, it, it, it's 
I, I like, like Jonathan Isaac. I like, I like Jonathan Isaac. I like Vucevic. I like Fultz. I like uh, I like Aaron Gordon. Like I love problem like is the problem is their offense is 1980s basketball. When you start all those players, yes, <laughs> like the the shooting's so cramped. Um, the Cavaliers, if they didn't squeak out that last second win against the Timberwolves, they would have lost ten in a row. But at this point, they've lost seven in a row. They've had injuries. Andre Drummond is a uh, He's been a uh, he's been awful for the Cavs, especially since the Jared Allen trade. He doesn't try anymore, and now there's reports that they're trying to trade him because, uh, you know, yeah. he's, he's just. Sit, I think the the rumor was that they're going to sit him until they can trade him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, and four through t- four through eleven is interesting, but I think now we have the three teams that have separated themselves. I think Philly, the Bucks have now figured it out. Um, they've. They're hit, they've hit a recent rough patch, but I think they have figured out like their starting lineup. Hopefully, Drew Holiday comes back, and um, but Bobby Portis, DJ Augustine, Bryn Forbes—they've been upgrades for the Bucks off the bench. Um, they've started to figure some stuff out. The Nets, I think, are starting to at least figure out the offensive pecking order because James Harden has been absolutely brilliant we forget i don't know why we always forget this but like people are now like shocked it's like oh james harden is passing now and like he's averaging he's averaging over 11 assists per game i'm like yeah he led the league in assists like once he i think the difference i think the difference is the way that he's doing it now because before it was the it was you know the rockets maury ball like let me dribble at the top of the key and then pass it off to a shooter or kick where now he's actually really making plays. I think when you led the league in assists, the offense was different because uh, Dwight Howard was there, and they ran and oh, they ran right. a lot They're of pick, pick and, and roll. And they ran a lot of pick and roll, and they, so like it was more. And I think Kevin McHale was still coaching at that point. Um, they were still that was like I'm pretty sure that was the last season. I'm gonna have yeah. to. Uh, I'm coached, gonna have to look it up. Dwight for one year and then was done. He was like, but like, like, but like Harden is a really elite passer and so him being the point guard and kevin durant who's one of the most malleable superstar scorers ever um do still doing what he does and Kyrie now basically accepting his role as a 50 40 90 28 per game shooting guard like i like how the nets have dealt out the pecking order obviously there's part of me that thinks like when it comes to the playoffs there's going to be stretches where they really lock in defensively i believe that um their defense overall is bad, but I do think for stretches and they can get stops. And I think in those stretches of stops, they have the offensive firepower to just blow you out of the water because their offense is one of the best in history already. And um, I think like, I think in the playoffs, you know, once if they lock in for stretches, I think the defense won't matter as much with them, but that's why I would put them in the same. What's up? My concern with them is the size. Yeah, like we of course. Talking that, about, that is my, as soon, yeah. The as size soon as they rebounding. run into like, as soon as they run into Embiid or Giannis or even like, I don't know, Julius Randle, like, fucking <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Julius Randle. <laughs> he did, do- he did, uh, he did, yeah, he, that is a fair point. They, like Julius Randle with the season he's having, um, even they don't have like the size to contain a bowl like that, you know. Yeah, they just don't have the power. Like as <clears throat> their best defender is probably Kevin Durant. Yeah, when he lost thirty-two, in. coming off of an Achilles injury. And again, Durant's Durant's strength has never been physical strength. Yeah, no. And so you know when you have someone when he when they're like, yeah, you have to guard Julius Randle. 
like, uh, I don't know how that's going to work. Durant's going to foul out. The Nets, he's going to get hurt. The thing with the Nets, though, is um, they, they'll, they'll have close games with, like, the Hawks, and then they'll lose a high-scoring game against the Wizards. But when they've played the Bucks, the Clippers, um, when they've played the Suns, like, when they've played contenders, yeah, they, they win great. those they look great. They win those games. And in the playoffs, you're just playing content. You're playing the best teams at that point. I think with the Bucks more so, I think the Nets have a better shot. The Sixers, I would give them a puncher's chance in a sure. conference finals. But I think with the Bucks, I think the Nets match up better with the Bucks than the Sixers. But uh, the Nets are still in that tier to me with the Sixers and Bucks. I think those are well, the, the three clear it, teams right now, though. With the, I agree with you there. The thing with the Sixers is the once once you solve the Joel Embiid problem, which you can't with what they have, then you also have the Ben Simmons problem of just size. Of they, the the Sixers and the Lakers are so big, and it's yeah. why I love it's why that matchup was so much fun to watch. Where they're just so both of them just it's like watching old nineties basketball. I have but to I say really it's been an it. it's been an incredible Ben Simmons season. I know I griped earlier about like his offensive approach to start the year. But he's he's found his way now, and all season, especially this last month, he's been arguably the best defender in basketball. Um, yeah, just the way he can lock up people, like he locked up Harden when the Nets played the Sixers. He locked up Damian Lillard in the second half after Dame went crazy on the Sixers in the first half. Ben Simmons locked up. Damian Lillard and it looked like he was he was like what the fuck this like 610 guy is moving with me like speed for speed and it's like yeah <laughs> that's Ben Simmons and it's it's been an underrated season for Ben Simmons and I realize there's still going to be the half court issue in the playoffs but I don't know if you read the Mo- Rob Mahoney piece that he did on the ringer a few weeks ago but like the way with the way Joel Embiid is playing right now I still have concerns about the Sixers' half-court offense in the playoffs, but the way he is playing right now with how much he's improved his dribble pull-up jumper, which is insane. He's shooting like over 50% on pull-up jumpers, and he's that's a thing he said he's been working on. He's shooting 54% from mid-range, almost 40% from three, and then we all know what he can do when he gets near the rim. Like, it's wild to say that he's become a legit three-level scorer at 7-2. And if that if this improvement is real, which I believe 100% is real, especially if you track how Joel and B developed all the way since Kansas, he's like one of those guys that picks up a guitar and after a few tries he can learn a song, right? That's how he's picked up basketball. That I have to say I feel pretty good about the Sixers' chances of at least going to the conference finals. I do think they put too much on him because... Yeah, I don't know if he's going to hold up the rest of the season. He, they, he yeah, looks, that's the one thing I'm afraid of because if he, with the shooting talent we have, you know where we rank in three-point attempts? 28th. That's wild. Yeah. That cannot happen. And it's not just because it's MB's a post-up player or whatever. It's because they're not... For some reason, especially lately, they're not attempting threes at the rate that they should. They have a lot of good shooters. Tobias Harris is back to his form. Seth Curry, uh, Mike Scott, Furkan Korkmaz, uh, Shake Milton. Like we have good shooters. They just need to take Danny Green. They just need to take more of them to help alleviate him. Because I don't think they're gonna fi- they're gonna figure out the elite perimeter creation problem, and it's no, gonna and have the, to be Embiid. And the thing, the problem that I see with them too is they do have the issue where 
Embiid's getting a lot better at it. He's gotten significantly better at it over the years, but he still has the uh, playmaking out of the double issue that a lot of I think he's have. gotten, yeah. I think we're like, I don't yeah. know. He's just not kicking it out and he's forcing up a lot. And when I watch them, you obviously watch them closer than I do, but the when you watch them, he puts in a lot of effort on low post in double team situations where it's like, dude, just kick it out and, and repost or kick it out and do something else. See, like, or I, there's, a, I think, there's a cutter here. Like, I think there's some times where his passing out of double teams is still a thing he needs to work on, but he's improved marketably. Yeah, he's gotten a lot but, better. Like, I think this year you're seeing him invite double teams more, and uh, it won't show up in the assist numbers. He's averaging more turnovers than assists right now. But I'm sure if you, there was a stat for, like, hockey assist or hockey hockey assist where because five people are literally gravitating towards him on the block and he does one kickout pass and you swing, 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 like, you could count those as Embiid. Um, you could count those as Embiid hockey assists because yeah. – uh, He's gotten better at it, but you're right. There are still times where he doesn't see the double. I don't think he's ever going to be like a Jokic like passer, but if he's like Shaq in terms of basic reads and you know making it, getting better at you know doing an extra pass ahead over instead of doing the simple kick out, you know, do the cross court pass, where which he's done a few times. Like I think that's the next step for him. But there are still times where he throws the ball away, he carelessly throws it away, and it's those typical Embiid turnovers that I still get frustrated with. But um, I I think his passing is a big reason why we're seeing the dominant season he's having um, as well. But you're right; he there are definitely times where the old Embiid will show up. But I think that's part of the progression with him. I think if he becomes like a good playmaker. Like he's already almost a complete player, but like right. once he figures once he figures it out, the passing out of doubles a little bit more, then we're you're he's already cooking with gas. We're gonna be cooking with need for speed nitrous oxide at that point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I I to me the Sixers are my favorite to come out of the East. So. Yeah, uh, I would say at this I would say at this point I would go. I know you probably do have a power optimism. ranking. If I, I were to I do, yeah, I don't want to be like the optimistic fan, but if I had to do a power ranking, like of who I think would come out of the East, I would go Sixers, Nets, then Bucks. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, I feel pretty good about my team. You should, you're, I'm sure you feel good about your team as well. Yeah, but as uh, long as as long as Anthony Davis can come back, I, yeah, I'd that's rather, true. I'd, I'd want to sit him for a couple of months just to make him make sure he's healthy for when we actually need him because like they're sleepwalking through the season. Yeah. But, um. um Real quickly, also, um, I just I wanted to get your gauge on the uh, the Miami Heat because they are still a playing team. I know we bought stock on them a week ago. I'm actually going to have somebody on a on a podcast tomorrow to talk about the Heat. But um, do you think they could climb up further? They're they're still five and five in their last ten, and they're still figuring some stuff out. They're still recovering from their COVID-related s- slow start to the season. But they basically have to not win out, but they're 11-15, and 15 and they've played 26 games, and that's already more of a third of the season through. So how are you feeling about the Heat? I'm still holding. I still have diamond hands on them. I think the, <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing with the Heat is they caught on. They were hot early last year and then mm-hmm. they cooled off and then they got hot late 
And I think that following the trend this year, they were injured and had COVID issues through their first half of their games. I, I think they're going to take some time to reassess and, and reanalyze. And then I could see them having a really hot late year. And then Jimmy Butler's that been momentum playing fantastic. Lately. Yeah, and take that momentum into the playoffs. Because again, they don't have the full complement of their players or they mm-hmm. haven't had them for the entire season. And I think just given more time, it's like what we talked about with the Jazz, where as soon as they hit their stride, they're going to be fine. Yeah, if you're if you're looking at it right now, like if you're the Knicks and the Hawks, the Knicks are the seventh seed, um, and the yeah, Hawks are the, the teams, looking seed, at the teams above and the them, Rap- and the Raptors, uh, the Raptors are well coached, but they've been up and down as hell all year. Um, and they might be making some trades, and they might trade for Andre Drummond, which I don't think trading for Drummond helps any team if you're trying to win basketball games. Um, but I mean, they could the Heat could help, the, help a desperate Nets team. I guess uh, he would definitely provide rebounding, but I don't know about the effort because that's always been a question with them, especially in Detroit and now with the Cavaliers, especially since the Allen trade. If you've watched some Cavs games since the Allen trade, it's like he's just he's checked out like you could just tell on the floor. Um, But the Heat are the sleeping giant in the in that play in section to where all the teams are just like, oh, God damn it, I need to get to the sixth seed and get out of the play-in range. Yeah. And um, like I said, Jimmy Butler has been playing well as of late because he had that slow start when he came back after battling COVID. Um, Bam Adebayo is continuing his ascension as a superstar big. Um, he's just averaging a quiet like 29-5 and five <laughs> and elite defense still. And um, yeah, the Heat, are, the Heat are getting their squad back together. And I really... I, I out of all the bottom feeding teams in the five through ten range, I would the Heat are probably the most dangerous of them all. Um, I'm starting to get less and less sold on Boston, especially if they don't make any moves at the deadline. And also, it's good for me because you know I'm a Sixer fan and fuck the Celtics. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> but um, the Heat are definitely they're still a sleeping dog to me. So I just wanted to check. Uh, you know, I don't want to sell off my stock yet. I'm still no, gonna I'm have diamond hands. The Wizards yeah, so, unfortunately have brick hands, uh, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the Wizards and the Timberwolves. So looking at the bottom of the conferences, this is, the Wizards and the Timberwolves. I don't know what they are because I like elements of their rosters, and I just don't know what they are. I don't know why they're so low. Did you see the? Uh, hold on, I need to look up the starting lineup the Wizards played yesterday because they were basically just like they started. Um, they started Westbrook, Beal. And they started Mo Wagner at the center. They they killed the Celtics yesterday, which is you know hilarious. But yeah, they they started Westbrook, Beal, Wagner at the center, Hachimura at the forward, and uh, Garrison Matthews at the other forward. And you looked at that lineup, and you're just like, well, this team's going to give up a thousand points. But <laughs> they actually didn't because the Celtics stunk it up yesterday, and the Wizards just happened to play competently, or at least AKA Bradley Beal carried them. Um, but yeah, I am. Uh, I like parts of the Wizards roster. I like parts of the Wolves roster too. Like you said, it's just that I don't think they're ever going to successfully build teams around Carl Anthony Towns and Bradley Beal. Just because, especially with the Timberwolves. Um, I mean, D-Lo. I just i I just know. <laughs> did you say Dilo? <laughs> I just know. That if Carl Anthony Towns is in with the right organization, you could build a championship team around him. I just so talented. 
He's so talented. And I, I hate it when, and look, sometimes it's organization. Sometimes it's on the player. I don't blame Carl Anthony Towns one bit because the organization, now that they have a new front office, is not as bad. They're still learning the new stuff because uh, <clears throat> Garrison Rosas is a Maury disciple. And so I, I like the hire there, uh, but I don't think Flip's on, or not Flip Saunders, his son, Ryan Saunders. I don't think his son is, I don't think Ryan Saunders is a good coach. And um, I just think if Cat went to a different organization, you could build a championship team around Cat. The guy is like, what, perennial 25 and 12 and is like a 44% three-point shooter on high number of attempts. Like he's, Zach Lowe, has always been bullish on him uh, in terms of calling him the most offensively talented player or center in NBA history. Like he has that potential and he does. He's he does. And he's efficient as hell. And it's like with the Booker thing, Devin Booker was an efficient scorer on bad teams, uh, or at least in terms of true shooting percentage wise, he was always above league average or right there. And I think if you're an efficient scorer on a bad team, that tells me, okay, let's try to put better players around this guy, like what the Suns did. Now they have a really good, and it's not just, okay, Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, duh. It's Cam Johnson, uh, Jay Crowder. Cameron Payne has turned himself into a nice backup center. Um, you know, Mikael Bridges, Javon Carter. Like these are all dudes that fit around Devin Booker and, and Chris Paul and Ayton, of course, but like, if the Wolves get Carl or if the Wolves get Cade Cunningham, hopefully Carl Anthony Towns won't request a trade at this point because the Wolves would be in the lottery again. But like a Cade and Carl Anthony Towns tandem, just screw everything else. Just do what you can to build around those two, you know? And I hope Carl Anthony Towns is on a winner soon. Cause I think if you figure it out with him, you got something. To me, he's gonna be a waste of talent guy. Like it's just a waste to see him like this it it's like what we had like with KG, minnesota right? bigs of yesteryear yeah it's like it's like what we had with kg right same thing yep uh, yeah it's gonna be unfortunate but so the story goes sad times Very. all right man any anything else anything uh... else today no i i think that's a, that's a good spot to leave it off we are definitely going to pick our east and west all-stars uh for next week because i think the deadline is next tuesday and um apparently a lot of people have been struggling with at least the east side of it because you could put like 20 there's like 20 candidates especially if you go to the reserve spots so that'll be interesting trying to sift through all that but um yeah stay tuned for that next week uh it should be it should be fun because i can't believe we're already at the all-star point but uh Yep, stay tuned for the all-star teams that we pick and maybe argue about. <laughs> I think we'll have some pretty... We've talked enough where I think we have a pretty clear sense of who we both agree are all-stars, but we'll, we'll go through them. We'll, we'll make lists, check them twice. We'll uh, see what we got. The test of a, re- the test of a relationship, whether it's pod co-host or real relationships, is We'll play the newlywed game. We'll, we'll the I'm going to intentionally start... Like... I'm going to intentionally start a big argument just to, just to test it no i'm kidding <laughs> no we'll play the newly led game but instead it'll be the we'll pick all-star we'll pick all-star starters <laughs> i'm gonna pick somebody wild just to see your react no i'm kidding i won't <laughs> alex caruso is starting <laughs> on, my, on my all-star team 
Shake Milton. <laughs> <laughs> but One no, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that next week. It should be it should be fun. Yeah, it'll be a good time. But uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. The B.O.B.